All right, well, Merry Christmas to all of our campuses, those watching online, wherever you are hearing my voice right now. We are glad that you are with us. And hey, I just want to remind you, Christmas Eve, my favorite service of all time, it's coming. We're doing 29 of them because we're crazy across six locations. We're doing free Uber rides even to the campuses. And you can go to christmasatgrace.com. If you haven't been there, talking with the family about what you're going to do, trying to find the right time, the right location, you can go there. And hopefully within 29 services, candlelight, all of them, by the way, uh, hopefully at one of those 29 you can find and get in there. And it's going to be an amazing Christmas experience for you and your entire family. Now, this weekend, I want to show you something you may not know about the Christmas story. Most of you pretty familiar with the Christmas story, whether you grew up in church or not. And, and uh, you know, the whole thing is there's a baby born, spoiler alert, the baby's Jesus, okay? You know, if that ruined it for you, I'm sorry, kind of thing. Um, most people have been kind of familiar with it, and, 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 you know, maybe because when you were a kid, you got put in a church uh, concert, some kind of Christmas program, maybe at your school or your church, and that's maybe how you first heard about it. Uh, maybe you were that kid. My favorite kid at every one of those is the one that like shouts the Bible verses. That's my favorite one. He's like, Luke 1, behold the angel. Like, I love that kid. That's the kid I like. That's my favorite part of all of them is that kid. Uh, when I was a kid, my grandmother forced me, I mean put me in a uh, her church's Christmas program. I was really little. And um, I did not go to church much as a kid, and I did not know the Christmas story super well at that point. I knew a lot about Santa, wasn't so sure about the manger and all that. Uh, now, just any guesses as to who I played in the Christmas story? Just think about it. Rudolph. <laughs> Rudolph, who, number one, is not in the Christmas story. Uh, I like Rudolph, don't get me wrong, he was, but I don't think he was there lighting up the manger. You know, it was super weird. I am telling you that it has been decades since then, and I still have no idea. I have asked people, I have searched this answer out. I have no idea why, how, why or how I was Rudolph in the Christmas story. I think it was one of those churches that maybe did this thing, you know, where they have all the Christmas characters like, you know, Charlie Brown and Grinch and everybody bow down and then they raise up the baby Jesus like Simba and the Lion King or something. You know, maybe it's that kind of a thing. I have no idea, but that's my theory. Anyway, we're going to really dig into the actual Christmas story next week at all of our Christmas Eve services. But this weekend, I want to talk about the prequel. Now, if you don't know what a prequel is, that's the story behind the story right prequel is what you do when you have a movie that everyone knows but you have a studio that's out of ideas and so they don't have a really good sequel so what they do is they make a prequel to kind of go well here's the story that led into the story that you love right so that's kind of what we do and what's kind of neat about Christmas is interesting is it has a very interesting story behind the Christmas story that we're familiar with and think about the Christmas story in a sense. Just think about it, okay? So you got a young couple who has to travel back to their hometown because of a government census, okay? So Mary is traveling pregnant. Now, she's been impregnated, by the way, by the Holy Spirit, and she's still a virgin. That's a whole story, right? 
And uh, so they're traveling, this kind of thing. And so now they have to sleep in a horse barn because all the inns are overbooked. And she's going to have the baby that night and have the baby in a horse stable. So needless to say, it's an unusual family in an unusual situation. It's an odd story when you really think about it. There's some weird stuff there. But if they were to go on Ancestry.com back then, they would realize that they come from a long line of unusual families in unusual situations. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been on one of those family tree websites, the whole thing is, I think a lot of people get into it kind of hoping for something good. Nobody I know who's been on one found out anything good, right? I think it's an interesting thing. It's, uh, you find out something that you wish you now didn't know, but it sure does explain a lot, right? You know, kind of, kind of one of those things, like now we know why Uncle Roy's so weird, you know, kind of a thing, you know. Um, it's interesting to me, the stories I've heard is people found a lot of dirt around their roots of their family tree. Uh, they went on looking for some apples, hoping for some apples in the family tree, and instead found a lot of nuts, you know what I'm saying? I will not even go on one. Uh-uh. I, I know enough about where I came from to know those are dark woods that no one needs to venture into. You know what I'm saying? I would rather die not knowing. And uh, so I don't want to do that. But if you look at the family tree of Jesus, what's interesting is you find all these unusual people in a lot of unusual situations. And really what I want to look at is the prequel to the Christmas story. We're talking about the story before the baby Jesus, before Mary and Joseph, because there were other people, other stories, other families over generations that led up to this event. And the reason why I'm talking about this is simply this. When you find out these stories, it sheds a whole new light on the Christmas story. You'll see it a little differently and kind of go, okay, so maybe this was unusual then, but maybe not. You know, no, it's, it's some interesting stuff. And we understand this because, honestly, there for all of us, there are people in our past or events in our past that have shaped our lives, for better or for worse. The truth is, we all have roots. We all have those people that have shaped us. And you can deny them and try to forget they ever existed, <laughs> or you can learn from them and create a better future for yourself. And the thing is, I really believe that's interesting about these family trees, and we talk about this kind of stuff, there are things that we all need redemption from. I mean, there's experiences and people and events that you simply can't delete, <laughs> no matter how hard you try. And honestly, some of us have a past that either needs to be forgiven because there was a lot of mistakes made and a lot of regret, or it's a past that needs to be reversed. Because there's all these things that happen to you or people that are involved, all this kind of stuff that you go, man, I just wish this, I just wish I could turn this whole thing around. A lot of us want a future that is different than our past. And I have really good news for you this weekend. And the good news is that our God is a God of redemption. But what you need to know is, I say that, but what you need to understand is that God's redemption goes all the way down to the roots. It goes all the way. God wants to redeem you in the very deepest core of the things that have shaped who you are. And what you need to remember, what I need to remember, is that God is the only one who can take a shady past and make a bright future. God is the only one who can take pain and turn it into purpose. God wants to redeem you all the way down 
to the roots. And when you look at the roots of Jesus, the generations of all these families that led to the Christmas story, not surprisingly, just like us, you're going to find some dirt around those roots. So we're going to dig in to the genealogy of Jesus. Now it's really long, so I'm going to start in Matthew 1. I'm going to read the whole chapter, okay? There are over 40 names. It's a lot. So hang tight with me, okay? I'm going to go ahead and start here. So Matthew 1, starting with verse 2. Abraham Pastor, Pastor, was Pastor, the father Pastor, of... Excuse me, I'm so sorry. Uh, oh, hey guys. Hey guys. This, this is Eridus Ribeiro. He's our creative pastor here at I Grace. Do, How you doing, man? What's up? Typically don't do this. I, I, thought, I thought we were going to change it up. We, we, we're not going to have time with the campuses to go through we all the names. We don't have time to do the whole chapter? Can, let's just roll that video we found, man. The, you know what I'm talking about? I don't know if I want to show them yeah, that. Yeah, you, you want to show that video. It's we gonna could be, just read the chapter. It's, it's long. But. The campuses, hey guys, how you doing? We, yeah. It's not going to, you know what, let's, let's roll the lights. Hold on. Let's roll that video. <laughs> yeah, genealogy, Matthew 1. Look out, Kanye, here comes Eridus, son. Abraham had Isaac, Isaac he had Jacob. Yeah. Jacob he had Judah, then his kin, Parasera, who came from Judah's woman. Tamar, that was her name. Yeah. Perez, he brought him Hezron. Let's go, this ain't no game. Aram, Aminadab, Mishan, the dad of Salmon. Is it Salmon? Is it Solomon? I'm not sure. Here's what happened. Solomon got with Rahab, and together father Boaz. Yeah. Boaz married Ruth and had a son we know as Obed. Yeah. Now Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse brought the blame. That's cause Jesse, he had David, who wrote songs, became king. David, he had Solomon by dead Uriah's wife. It's a little complicated, so sit back, hang on tight. Solomon, you know him, dude, he had a lot of wives. 700, but who's counting? Here are their kids, this may not rhyme. Bijah had Asa, and Asa had Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat had Joram, who then begat a few more cats. Uzziah, then Jotham, Asa, Hezekiah, Manasseh, then Amon, the father of Josiah, who grandfather Jehoiakim and had Shealtiel, who begat baby Zerubbabel. Boy, that's hard to spell. Abia, Eliakim, then Azer, who had Zadah, then Achim, father Eliad, who father Eliezer. Eliezer, he had Nathan, and Jacob was his son. Then Jacob begat Joseph. Yeah, the Joseph almost done. So listen very closely. I don't want to sing this twice. Because Joseph married Mary, mother of the Jesus Christ. Hey, who's up there? Get off my property. Yeah, it was, um, <laughs> it's Salmon, by the way. Salmon. Salmon, got, yeah, Salmon. <laughs> Give it up for Ernest Ribeiro, our creative pastor. <laughs> we could just read the chapter or do that, you know? There you know. Anyway, so. That's what we decided to do. So hopefully you paid attention, you learned all of that, but I am going to go back and try to do the highlight reel, okay? So now let's go into the outline, really dig into this. Matthew 1, verse 2, and uh, I won't wrap any of these for your sake, all right? So it says, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Now, this first group from the whole family tree is a wild one, okay? Now, Abraham, he's known as the father of the, all the Jewish people, the father of so many religions, Abraham. But the thing is this, is that he was not a perfect man. 
Uh, he lied a few times. Had a little habit of that. Got in a lot of trouble for that. Got some people in a lot of trouble for that. Uh, he also, weirdly, he was married, but he had a baby by one of his servants because his wife told him to. It's a weird story. Get into the Bible. It's a lot of fun, right? But honestly, it, it's interesting to me. Abraham had incredible faith, did some incredible things, but you already got a little scandal up in there in the very first name. Now, Isaac, his son, got in trouble for telling the same lies that daddy told. Okay, so he also got in trouble for that. Then there's Jacob, who was known as a deceiver, uh, stole his brother's birthright out from under him. Okay, so that's not good. Speaking of messing up your siblings' lives, Judah sold his brother Joseph into slavery. So it's interesting, scandal, scandal, scandal right then we come to the first woman in the family tree tamar now tamar had perez by tricking her father-in-law into sleeping with her the bible folks get one right it's an interesting book it's weird there's more to that story by the way but i'm just going to tell you that's another scandal okay so let's pop down a couple verses let's take another group of people okay so maybe you'll catch my drift of where i'm going here look at verse five Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. So let's look at this group, okay? Interesting group here. Some of them you heard from our wonderful song, right? Salmon swam upstream and married Rahab. That's about all we know about him, okay? Now, here's the book thing about Rahab. Rahab's second lady in the family tree, okay, interesting person. Rahab was a prostitute. Did you know a prostitute was in the family tree of Jesus, right? Yes, she was. And what's interesting is in the book of Joshua, she actually helps Israel, spies, hides them, and then helps turn against her own city and helps Israel invade them and take them over. She's actually revered as a hero, but she was a hooker. I mean, it's just a weird thing. I mean, this is literally right there, scandal, you know. Then you got Ruth. She's the next lady mentioned in the family tree. The book of Ruth in the Bible tells the love story of her and Boaz, and it's super sweet. But here's the thing. What you may not know is she was an outcast. She was a Moabite. You didn't even let a Moabite in the temple. They weren't even allowed to worship in the same building. I mean, talk about an outcast people, but what I love about this is that God intentionally included an outcast people right in the family tree of Jesus. It raised all kinds of eyebrows, right? I mean, it was a really interesting thing. Check it out. So then we get to old King David. Oh, man, King David. The guy who planned for a man to be killed in battle so he could take his wife. And what's interesting is, again, King David did amazing things. All these people did. All these people did incredible things, showed incredible faith. I mean, they're there in the Bible. We read about them. But here's the thing. He was also the center of one of the biggest scandals in the Bible. He saw Bathsheba bathing. I still can't get past the fact that Bath was in her name. It drives me crazy every time I read the story. I mean, that, that's weird to me. But anyway, he saw her bathing. He slept with her. And then he directed his own military to guarantee his death in battle. Right? And, and then covered it up and got busted. That's a lot of scandal. Then you got Solomon. Solomon was the son of Bathsheba, which is very interesting to me that the family tree of Jesus went with Bathsheba. 
it's interesting to me. So, um, it, uh, so Solomon struggled in the sex department as well because he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And concubine is the nice way to say mistress. That's a loud house. That's a lot of people. But here's the thing. His love for the ladies ended up leading him down some dark roads. He ended up worshiping different gods later in his life. Scandal. Scandal. Now, there were some great leaders in the family tree. But then there was these two guys. Let me read about Matthew uh, 1, uh, 7 and 12. These two guys right here. It says, Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. And after the Babylonian exile, Jehoiakim was the father of Shealtiel. Now, these two guys, Rehoboam was Solomon's son. Rehoboam was such a bad leader and angered the people so much, and so many people did not want to follow him, that actually the country went into civil war and split into two different nations. It became Israel and then Judah. So this guy literally was such a poor leader, he split the nation over his own leadership. And then you have Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim is famous for surrendering the nation of Israel to the Babylonians. He just gave them over. And then he became a prisoner and a puppet leader for Babylon. He sold Israel completely out and ended them as a nation for a long, long time. So one split the nation and the other one surrendered it all together. Now that, I'm just talking about, that's the highlight reel just for me. I just picked out 11 people. This isn't even close to half of the list of the family tree of Jesus. Now, but some of you may be thinking, wait, 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 Matt. Whoa, whoa, pause, pause. Pause the message. If there's a virgin birth, then how is Jesus connected to any of these people? Well, let me, let me work it to you this way. If God caused Mary to be pregnant and Joseph is not the biological dad, then why does the family tree of Joseph even matter? Well, that's a good question you just thought of, right? I mean, really, this comes down to a Mari episode. If he's not the father, but he is the father, like, how does this work, right? You know, like, I mean, I don't understand. Why is this all this family tree? That's Joseph, but that's not his biological. Like, I get it. Here's the thing. There's two things that are really important about this, about the Christmas story to help frame it for you. Two very important things about Jesus. He was God's son, and he was a rightful descendant of King David. Now, let me get into that, the latter one for a second. Because Joseph was a descendant of David. And most scholars believe that Mary actually was as well descended from Nathan, another one of David's sons. So both of them were in the lineage. But here's the thing that's important. The act of Joseph taking Jesus as his son gave Jesus full rights to be in the lineage of David. Right, so he's like the, the, the son. So that was very important if you were Jewish because the Messiah was supposed to be in the lineage of David. So that was how Jesus fit into that. But the more important thing, the bigger deal of all this is this, is that Jesus was God's son. And this is really important. Jesus was as much God as he was man. I remember the first time someone told me this, I said, Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. And I'm like, that's 200%. And honestly, guys, this is what's interesting about the Bible. There's some things that are both and. And there's a lot of things that just sit in tension in the Bible. And you have to understand, it's not meant for you to solve the equation. It's meant for you to understand that there's just a tension between those two. How is Jesus both God and man? I don't know. We can ask him when we get there. The important part is he was. And, and what's interesting to me is, is 
he was the son of his heavenly father. Now catch this. This is why people you know, who struggle with the virgin birth thing, like, I don't understand why it's so important. Why, what's the big deal? If God did not give Mary the baby, then Jesus would just be the son of Joseph. But God intervened so that he would be the son of God. And that was important because being the son of God is a little bit different. As much God as he is man. So here's the tension that Jesus had to live with. Jesus will have to live in the reality of his family tree while also having the ability to provide redemption for the whole tree, for your tree, my tree, all of humanity. So it's an interesting tension to look at. And and it sure needed redeeming because let me tell you, in the family tree of Jesus, we find sex scandals, cruelty, adultery, deception, prostitution, idolatry, murder, and then just some really bad decisions. And that's just getting the list started. When you look at the roots of Jesus, there's dirt. But why would the Bible tell you that? Because honestly, it's just another way that we connect with Jesus. Because we look at him and go, yeah, me too. You should hear about my uncle. Right? We all do because we all have roots that need redemption. Here's the really good news I want everyone to know. There are no roots that God cannot redeem. I want you to hear me understand that because some of you are haunted by where you come from or you're haunted by experiences that shaped you or you're haunted by just all these things in the past. And I want you to understand there are no roots that God cannot redeem. There is no past where God cannot make a new future. Nothing. There is no, you can clap for that. That's good news, right? There is no failure where God cannot bring success. There is no darkness where God cannot make light. There is no situation where God cannot bring hope, save it, redeem it, and make it new. Here's what I love about Christmas. Christmas is my favorite time of the year. Christmas Eve, my favorite service of the year. I love so much about Christmas, but this is what is so important. Christmas is a celebration of the fact that real redemption is always available to you. That's huge. The arrival of that baby wasn't just the arrival of a baby. It was the arrival of the fact that I don't have to do cartwheels to impress God anymore. I don't have to work so hard to get God to love me, to get God's attention, that God has provided a way that I can be forgiven and be made new through the power and the blood of Jesus. See, look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, if anyone belongs to Christ, there is a new creation. The old things have gone, and everything is made new. Translation, God can make everything new for anyone. Man, that's really, really good news. But I don't know about you, because I, I, I am anyone, and I would like him to make everything new. And for a lot of people who come into church who feel like maybe you came and you felt judged by somewhere else or you, you've given up on God and this is kind of the last resort for you and you feel like, man, I, you're lucky I'm even here in the building. I want you to understand there's hope for everyone. God can redeem anyone. God can make everything new for anyone. So many people feel doomed by their past. They feel like they're going to always carry out the same pattern, the same generational things that, that my dad and my grandfather or my mom, my grandma, all these people did. Or maybe they feel doomed by addictions and things that you've gotten into in life that you're having trouble getting out of. 
Or maybe you feel doomed by setbacks, situations, things that are going on right now that you can't seem to help, that you can't seem to work through. And I want you to understand something. God says, if you will come to me and put your trust in what I have done for you through Jesus, I can make anything and everything new in your life. I can build a new future out of any past. Test me. Try me. And I will do it. What I'm thankful for is there is no legacy that God cannot reset. Man, some of us, my, my wife is one of them. She has an incredible legacy to carry forward in her family, something to be so proud of. But I don't. So I am the beginning of a new legacy. And I am so glad that God can take anyone or anybody and reset and say, but from here on, it will be new. From here on, it will be different. I tell my kids all the time, I say, there are some things that are going to die in the grave with me that you never had to go through. And that's true. But you know what? It's not my power that changed it. It's God's power of redemption taking anyone who will come to him and trust him. And he makes everything new for them. There is no curse that God cannot reverse. Change it out. God can redeem anything for anyone, but it begins with one simple thing. Trust. Placing your trust in Jesus. Not just once, but coming to him every day and saying, guide me, lead me, shape me, heal me, make me new. Come in and heal my heart, mend my heart, redirect my heart. Give me a hope. Give me a chance. Move me into something else and God will do it. But I want to ask you, have you ever asked God to redeem your roots? Have you ever asked God's redemption to go all the way down into those events that shaped you into things that are so far back you can barely remember them, but they still haunt you to this day? God can do it. God can take anything and create something new. What I love about that is when he redeems the roots, he takes out the seed and he puts a new seed there and he grows something brand new out of old ground. Something brand new that you can give. Something, a new generational legacy for you, for your family, for your life. Now, the other option, by the way, is you can just trust you. And do what we call winging it. All your life. And just try so hard, just try your absolute hardest to turn everything around. But I want you to understand, life was not meant to be lived without ever experiencing the love and the power of God. And I know that you're skeptical about it. Some of you, you're cynical about it. You go, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know if I feel that. I don't know where God is. I don't understand. It doesn't feel like he cares, but you keep saying he cares and all these kind of things. Try it. Just come to him. See if I'm wrong. Come to him and say, do you love me? Do you, is there power for me? Is there something? Can you change my life? He will, because I want you to understand something. Without Jesus, we repeat the past. But with Jesus, we redeem the future. Without Jesus, you wing it, and what you end up doing is one day you say something and do something just like what was done to you. And it scares you, and you think, how did I get here? 
because you didn't let the love and the power of God, you didn't trust him to do a new work in you. He wants to do a new work in you. He wants to change, make a whole new future. And you can do it if you'll let him do it. You got to let him in. You got to let him do it. Give the gift to yourself this Christmas of breaking the past, taking the chains off, and setting your hope and your vision and your direction of your life into a new future where God is healing you, giving you freedom, and guiding you. But you got to trust Him. That's the step. Now, we're about to pray and close our service, and I want you to know these little cards we put in here, these aren't just for fun. If we can pray for you as a church about this, we would love to do that. Just write and say, hey, listen, I, I, need, I need you guys to be praying for me about this, this, whatever. We'll do it. Or maybe you just need to say, I need to take a step. The gift I need to give myself is in January. I need to take a healthy step in my church to either be in something, serve in something. I, I need to be a part of something where I can start moving forward toward a new future. But I don't know where. You just fill it out. We'll get in contact with you. We will personally help you connect in whatever way is best for you to help do that. But here's the thing. We all need redemption. But we got to ask God to begin a new work in us if we want to see it in our lives. you got to trust him. Trust him to heal you. Trust him to move you forward. And I'm telling you, you will never regret trusting him let's pray together all of our campuses let's pray together father we just come to you and right now i just acknowledge that there's something everyone in here and everyone in all of our campuses and everyone online they think about when i say roots and when i talk about roots that need redemption there's things there's names there's places there's people that we think about some of us have been haunted by those things, and we never feel like we're ever going to be free. But God, you've called your people to carve out something new. You've called your people to live out a new future, to redeem where we came from and walk into something new. But we can only do it by the love and the power of who you are. So, Father, I just pray for those who don't know you that even now they would just trust you as their Savior and put their trust in what you've done for them through the cross of Jesus. And that from here on out, every day they will ask for your guidance, for your love, for your care in their life. That they'll follow you. But Father, I pray for all of us who maybe we know you, but it's been a long time since we've let your power and your love come into some of those deeper parts of us. And redeem some of those things very deep in us. It may take a long time, it may be a process, there may need to be other people involved praying for us. God, we want to invite you to begin a new work in us, to begin a new future because of what we did right now in this moment. Thank you that you can take anything and redeem anyone. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. At this point, I'm going to send it over to our campus pastors so they can dismiss the service.